Good morning, everyone. What a, what a beautiful morning it is this morning. So glad that you are able to be here with us. You guys look great. This is a great group of people here. Good morning to those of you who are joining us online. We are so glad you're with us. Let us know that you are here so that we can be sure to greet you and and say hello to you this morning. Um, I would like to share with you as we prepare our hearts for worship, I want to share with you from Psalm chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. That is certainly our prayer this morning. Um, I just want to start us off with a word of prayer. And um, I I don't mean to start us off on such a low note, but I really want to encourage you to be remembering and praying for Brett Frankhauser and his family. Um, He lost his brother early this morning. Um, There's a lot of his family members that have been struggling with COVID. Um, His dad is in ICU on a ventilator, and he's not doing well. Um, My heart is incredibly heavy for his family this morning and just what they're going through. And it just didn't feel right to come in here and, you know, just not even acknowledge that. And so um, please be praying for his family. Uh, Let him know that that you are covering his family in prayer. And um, we will be faithful in lifting our brothers and sisters up uh, to the Lord. So would you just pray with me this morning? Let us lift our heavy hearts to the Lord. Lord, we come before you this morning with with mixed emotions. Lord, we are so grateful and and happy and joyful to be in the house of the Lord with one another. It's always such a, a, a privilege to come into this space and to worship together, to know that we are connected and united as a body, lifting up our joint praises to the Lord. But Lord, we also come into this space with a heaviness, with burdens, Lord, We've lifted this burden with Frank and his fa- with Brett and his family this morning. And God, we just want to remember him. Lord, we cannot even imagine the grief that he is dealing with. And so we just want to pray, Lord, that you would wrap his family in perfect peace. Lord, help them to know that you are walking through this awful time with them. Lord, that you are are carrying them through this time. Help us, Lord, to be the faithful members of this body that continue to care for, for Brett and his family, to reach out to him, to lift up our prayers. Lord, we pray for those that bring burdens into this place. This has felt like somewhat of a, of a long week for some. It's, there's been a lot of tragedy again this week. And, and Lord, we just recognize that we sometimes come into this space with, with joy and heartache. And that's okay. That's okay, Lord. You invite us and our brokenness into your presence. Your word reminds us that your burden is light and that you want to carry those burdens with us, for us. So, Lord, we ask you to do that this morning. Fill our hearts. Put a new song in our mouth this morning. Help us to fix our eyes on you and your perfect peace and how you are with your people, walking with us through the mud and the mire, ready to place our feet firmly on the rock. We love you, Lord. 
We bring forth our praise and worship this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll come back to that clip for a moment, in a moment, but let me start by asking you a question this morning. Have you ever messed up in such a way that it caused you to question everything? Have you ever messed up in such a way that it, it caused you to question everything about who you are and who you've been called to be? This is kind of a, a small example, um, a smaller scale example, but I remember when, and it's slightly embarrassing because no parent likes to share these kind of stories, but I remember when Nora was a baby, probably, you know, like, Um, six months, seven months old. It's been so long ago that I forget what stage they are when they're just kind of, you know, laying there and they're immobile. They're not really doing a whole lot yet. And, And I remember one day I was playing with her in my room. She was spread out on my bed and I was just tickling her and playing with her and we were just having a good time. And, and I get up off the bed for a split second. Um, and I, and I turned my back just for a brief, brief moment And by the time I was even able to turn back around a few seconds later, she tumbled off the bed. I hope I'm not alone in that. Mamas, (laughs) please give me some. Okay, thank you. I see you. Um, But in that moment with my first child, I was traumatized. I just knew that surely she would be brain dead and there would be massive brain damage done. I just knew that if anyone knew what just happened, child services would come and take my child away. And I called a friend immediately because I needed to know that everything was going to be okay and that I wasn't the worst mom ever. But for a brief moment, I thought, oh my goodness, I have failed in such an epic way. I am the worst mom ever. And again, I'm being very dramatic, but I was young, she was my first baby, and I just felt like such a failure that I let that happen. Little did I know, that wouldn't be the last time. That wouldn't be the last, I mean, she, <laughs> she didn't have any like major accidents, but she would get hurt again, sometimes on my watch, and, and there would be many moments where she would get hurt and I would feel bad, and it would just be this vicious cycle. But really, Have you ever messed up in such a way? And in that moment, that was a big mess up. I felt like such a failure. Have you ever messed up in such a way that you felt like such a failure that it caused you to question everything? That scene that we just watched, that clip, it's from the show, The Chosen, that you can stream. If you have not watched this show, I highly recommend you watch this show. It is great. I can't speak highly enough about it. And, and I, as they continue to make more seasons, I will probably use more and more of their clips because they are just so good. Watch that show if you haven't. But I love the way they depicted this moment. This was the first moment that Jesus calls Peter and the other disciples to follow him. What a beautiful moment that was. I love that they show us the humanity in this show. They really depict so beautifully just the humanity of Jesus and the real and raw moments the disciples found themselves in with Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, we we find that Jesus in this moment that we just watched, he says, follow me, fishermen, and I will teach you how to fish for people. It was a beautiful moment, that first calling. But a lot has changed. 
A lot has changed for Peter since that moment. A lot has changed in his life. And he, I would imagine, feels like he failed royally and that there would be no going back. That he messed it up. That's it. I'm out. There's no way that Jesus is going to want to use me now. I I promised him I would follow him. I pledged my life to him. I, I promised that I would be faithful to him. He knew I was a sinner and he called me anyways, but I have failed royally and there is no way that I can go back after this. And so he does what I imagine we would all do. He returns to some normalcy. He maybe just longs for something in his life to feel normal again. I think we know a little bit about this. We just long for something to feel normal again. We don't know what it's like to be around a group of people without a mask on and and what normal life looks like anymore. We know this. But I would imagine that in this moment, he just wants to go back to something that he knows, something that he can't mess up so badly, something that he might feel like he's actually good at. I don't mean to be projecting all these feelings on Peter, but if I put myself in Peter's shoes, this is how I would feel, I think. And so I don't think it's too far-fetched that Peter might just feel like, you know what? I failed. I'm just going to go back to what I know. I'm going to go and embrace something that feels, feels familiar and practical, something I can actually do right. And he returns to what he knows, what he's good at, and it makes sense to us. So last week, if Thomas, we looked at Thomas last week, if Thomas was dubbed the doubter, I would imagine that this week that would make Peter the denier, right? We don't like those nicknames. I've already told you that. But, but Peter would be dubbed the denier, messed up big time. A lot has gotten in the way of that first calling. What about us? What has gotten in the way since that first moment that Jesus called us to follow him? What has happened that has perhaps distracted us from that willingness to to continue following him and, and continuing to obey him to this life that he's called us to? What has gotten in the way of that for us? I would imagine that inconvenience has gotten in the way. It's just not very convenient to give Jesus every part of you, right? I would imagine that relationships have gotten in the way, time or lack thereof. Maybe there's just not a strong desire for whatever reason, a willingness. Maybe circumstances have gotten in the way of this complete call to live, completely surrendered to King Jesus. Maybe we can identify with Peter and we're like, I'm just too afraid of messing up like Peter. That's me. I am Peter. I'm too afraid that I will mess up royally. I know I will. So what's the point anyways? For Peter, as we have already established, I think his denial would be what appears to have gotten in the way of pursuing his calling and continuing to pursue that calling even after this denial. 
even after being warned about that denial. That's what gets me, and I'm like, oh, that's so something I would do, right? That Jesus warned Peter. He even told him this was going to happen, and Peter swore. He said, no way, no way am I going to deny you, Lord. I am with you. I'm going to be there till the end with you. No way, and he does it anyways. He denies Jesus anyways. Or was it even Jesus he was denying? I have to tell you, I thought a lot about this. I thought a lot this week about this question. Was it even Jesus that Peter was denying? Think about those moments. Go back with me. I know I'm all over the place this morning, but go back with me to the garden for a moment. Jesus is in the garden with some of the disciples and he's about to be arrested and the soldiers and the guards show up to arrest Jesus and what does Peter do? He whips out his sword and he chops off an ear of the soldier and he's like, this is his one last attempt to save Jesus from going to the cross. You know, this is Peter's one last moment. Oh, if only I can seize these soldiers and I can save Jesus from having to go through this awfulness. And so he does that. And what does Jesus do? Tells Peter, put away your sword. Come on, Pete. Come on, man. Put away the sword. This is, you're not staying with me here. Put away your sword. Maybe pick up your cross. And he heals the ear. He heals the man's ear. And so I wonder if, if in these moments between the garden and in the courtyard when Peter's around that fire, it's cold, he's afraid, he's feeling ashamed possibly. I wonder, this is pure speculation. It's just where my mind went. I wonder if he was standing there thinking questions like, can I actually do this? This doesn't look anything like what I thought it would look like. And clearly, I'm not cut out for it. Can I actually follow Jesus to the cross? Can I actually do this? And I wonder if those feelings of doubt began to come into his mind. And so I was thinking about this moment, and I thought, maybe instead of intending to deny Jesus and who Jesus is, Peter was denying who he was called to be. What do you think? I'll let you decide for yourself. Did Peter intend to deny Jesus completely by association and all? Or was he perhaps afraid of what it was going to mean for him? And maybe, just maybe, I can't do this. And he denies who he was called to be. Regardless, I would argue that like Thomas, like last week, we can either criticize Peter for his denial, or we can recall the times in which we have been Peter. The times in which we have denied to live how we've been called to live and be who we've been called to be. For whatever reason. Whether that's afraid of failing, like Peter maybe. Just feeling like you're too afraid that you're going to fail. Maybe we're afraid of being judged or rejected. I would imagine that that was there in Peter's mind. Maybe there's just a fear of what might happen. What's going to change in our lives. Maybe we're afraid we won't meet expectations, but what is it for us? Because I am here to remind you this morning that like Peter, we consistently fall short of our expectations. We do. 
We, we set out with these great intentions of being these sold-out, Jesus-freak followers of Jesus, and we have it in our minds that we're going to be the best follower of Jesus that anyone ever saw. We're going to make Jesus so proud. We're going to live our life with full abandon and just follow him wherever he calls us to go, doing whatever he calls us to do. Oh, but wait. Ooh, I, I don't know about that. Or, or, oh, but wait, oh, that's completely gotten in the way. And, and, oh, but wait, I just, I haven't thought about it in a while. Life is so crazy. And, and things happen, and we consistently fall short of these expectations and these intentions that we have. Whatever it is this morning, can we just recognize that things happen that steer us away from who we've been called to be and how we've been called to live and how we've been called to follow Jesus. And yet, in the midst of that truth, in the midst of Peter's denial and just probably utter embarrassment, we have again this morning another reminder. In this third appearance after the resurrection, we have yet another reminder of who Jesus is and just what he has to say about people who have failed about what he has to say about people who have not met those expectations. And I just love how he shows up in such a familiar way. We have that passage in John 21 that Denise so graciously read for us. And doesn't it look an awful, doesn't it look a lot like what you just saw in that clip? It looks like what we read at the beginning of the Gospels, the beginning of the journey. It's a familiar scene. Jesus does something that is familiar to the disciples, and in doing so, they recognize him. I love how he meets them in a way that they just know. He meets them with grace and love and an abundance of fish. And there doesn't appear to be any agenda here. Just Jesus showing up to provide for his friends, to serve them breakfast, to provide fish for them, and of course to meet Peter in his moment of need. And we see Jesus doing what he does. Here he is, resurrected King Jesus, resurrected Lord. The grave couldn't keep him. Death couldn't hold him. And what is he doing? He's cooking breakfast for the disciples. He's He's taking on the posture of host yet again, the posture of servant yet again, the posture of forgiver once again, preparing a meal of grace, providing more fish than they could handle. I would imagine it looked a lot like that moment again. I was reading this week that scholars and commentators, they really wrestle with what is the meaning behind the, the specific number that we're given, 153? Why? Why? What is the meaning behind that number? Why did John record that, that precise number? And I don't have an answer for you. Other than maybe it's intended to serve as a reminder that before Jesus showed up, they had nothing. And then after Jesus showed up, they had more than they could handle. And it happened to be 153 fish. I don't know. But Jesus prepares this breakfast for the disciples. We love this moment. I love to picture this moment. And then we, we move, and the, and the scene shifts a little bit, and now he's having a moment one-on-one -on -one with Peter. And I would just imagine that like that scene that we just watched, 
that Jesus gets down on eye level. He gets down on eye level, whether he's sitting, standing, kneeling with Peter. He gets down and he meets Peter eye to eye and he looks him in the face and meets him with just what I imagine an overwhelming amount of love and grace. And we can sit here and and kind of, you know, pick apart this conversation and decide what's behind this conversation exactly. We could pick apart the, the words for love that is used and try to speculate what Jesus meant by this love or that love, what Peter meant by this love or that love. We can make it about the cutting reminder that three times Jesus was denied by Peter and so three times he's asked. Or we can take it as a simple reminder that this is what Jesus does. He shows up, he meets us with grace, and it's a reminder of how he doesn't want us to feel ashamed. He doesn't want us to feel like we're done. He doesn't want to meet us with this incredible amount of, of guilt and shame and, and stripping us of our role. And, and you, you can't be called my follower anymore, Peter. You messed up and it was too bad. But instead he meets him and I would imagine face to face. And he has this raw, honest conversation and meets him with abundant love and grace. And most importantly, what I think is most important is that he reminds Peter of who he's been called to be. He doesn't strip Peter's calling from him. He doesn't take Peter's calling away from him. He reminds him of that calling. He reminds him, Peter, this is who you are. Get back up. You're not done. I'm not finished with you yet. Get back up. Let's go. We've got a lot of work to do. Instead of reminding him of of his guilt and shame that he would have to know that Peter already carried. Didn't need Jesus to to give you a dose of guilt and shame because I would imagine he was already carrying enough guilt and shame. Instead, Jesus reminds him, Peter, you're my rock. You're the rock of the church. The church is going to be built on your shoulders. You're going to be the leader of the church. You're going to speak My words, you're going to preach my message. And because of you, because of what I'm going to do through you, thousands will be saved. And the church is going to be set on fire. Come on, let's go. Jesus would use this once denier to be the one on whom he built his church. The one who would ignite the church. The one who would lead the church. Is that not crazy to us? And so if, if Jesus can do that with Peter, with Peter, then what can he do with our failures? What is he calling us to do after we have failed, after we have strayed away, after we have ignored our call, abandoned our call for whatever reason? If this is how Jesus meets Peter, then how is he meeting us today? It's a reminder that no matter what you've done, No matter what you haven't done, no matter what you've said or haven't said, you are called again. We are called again. We are reminded of our calling. We are reminded that just as Jesus believed in in Peter, he believes in us. Just as Jesus wasn't done with Peter, he's not done with us. Just as if, just as though Peter was the one who the world needed, church, you and I are the one that the world needs. The world needs Jesus. Let's be honest. Let's be clear. The world needs Jesus. Have you 
Have you looked around? Have you watched the news? Have you scrolled on Facebook for less than a minute? The world needs Jesus, and Jesus has called you and I to be what the world needs, to point the world to Jesus, not to abandon or give up when we fail to do so. He's calling us again and reminding us again of who we've been called to be. And just before you get too excited and fired up about that, hold on just a second, I just want to remind you of exactly what that means for us. I want to remind you that just as as Peter was getting fired up, maybe ready to go, Jesus reminded him of just what it is he's calling him to be. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. I don't think Jesus needed to know how much Peter loved him. I don't think Jesus needed to hear how much Peter loved him. I think Jesus needed Peter to hear how much he loved Jesus and what it looks like when one loves Jesus and is willing to lay his life down. He becomes a good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the church, for his sheep. And so in reminding Peter of his calling and in calling him again, perhaps Jesus is saying, Peter, there's a difference between loving me and having a willingness to lay down your life for me. I know you love me. I know you love me. But are you willing to lay down your life for me? Are you willing to follow me again and take on the name shepherd, knowing what that might mean for you? And by the way, Jesus kind of gives him a clue as to what it will mean for Peter. Will you do it anyways? Will you go anyways? Will you say yes anyways? And we see in this moment a heart that is reoriented toward following Jesus. A heart that that from from this point on will not be moved. A, A willingness that from this point on will not be shaken. It will not be rocked. Peter will be the rock. And you and I are here because of it. Church, we are here because of this once denier. You and I are products of Peter's willingness to to follow the call again. So why in the world are we so hesitant to answer the call again and to follow the way Jesus has called us to follow and to go where he has called us to go? And by the way, don't don't necessarily do what Peter did. I mean, we understand it, but, but we're tempted to do what Peter did in response. And he looks over at John and he's like, oh, wait, but what about him, Lord? Well, what is this going to look like for him? And we're tempted to do that, aren't we? We're tempted to compare what this looks like for me and what it looks like for you. And you can't hold your calling to, to my calling because you're not called to the same thing I'm called to. Peter wasn't called to the same thing that John was called to. You don't have to die upside down on a cross to glorify God. You are called in the way he has called you. So just instead of being so fixated on on what it looks like for you versus others, just, just answer the call. 
Just answer the call to follow him again, to return to that single-minded focus again. Church, if we call ourselves disciples, followers of Jesus, Christians, if we carry that name, then we are called to follow Jesus. We are called to listen to Jesus. We are called to watch Jesus. We are called to do what Jesus does. And just as a reminder, that means care for the wounded. Show up for the broken hearted. Show up for the broken. Love your enemy and those who hate you. Feed the hungry. Make your enemy breakfast. <laughs> Minister to the marginalized. Be instruments of peace. Go in general where he sends. We are called again, church. We are called again to this single-minded focus of following Jesus. And I just have to say, we let a lot get in the way of this calling. We do. If you think about it, nothing else in this life matters. Nothing Truly, nothing else in this life matters other than what you and I in this room are called to do. Do you realize the weight of that? And yet, we let so much get in the way of that call. Whether it's mistakes, life, things that we think are more important, nothing else matters. This is what we've been called to. And perhaps today we just need to be reminded of our calling N.T. Wright says this. He says, somewhere deep down inside, there is a love for Jesus. And though you have let him down enough times, he wants to find that love. He wants to give you a chance to express it, and he wants to heal the hurts and failures of the past and give you a new work to do. Will you receive that new work that he has for you to do today? I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up. And as they do so, I just want to remind you this morning <laughs> that we aren't worthy of this calling, right? We aren't worthy of Jesus, and we are certainly not worthy of this calling to be his ambassadors. And yet he calls us anyways. Just like I didn't feel worthy to be called mom after that tragic moment that my daughter tumbled off the bed and onto the carpeted floor, I didn't feel worthy to, to carry that name mom in that moment. I felt like, ooh, someone should take that away from me because I don't know. I messed up. Just like that's ridiculous and that I would just need to turn around and, and show up and pick up my baby and care for her. And, and I don't even think she cried. You've met Nora. She's pretty, she's pretty tough. But I cared for her anyways, and I would continue to show up and care for her even after moments of, of hurt and, and failure on my part. It's ridiculous to say that I can't be called mom because I let my daughter tumble off the bed. And in the same way, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that Jesus calls us, number one, but he does. And it would be ridiculous to abandon that call because we fail and because we mess up. And because we miss opportunities and we miss moments and we feel like we let years go by before we actually recognized what we were called to do. But we are still called. We are called again.
And so as we take a moment this morning to quiet your hearts before the Lord, to open up your heart to the Lord, as we take a moment to let the Lord speak to us and maybe we just need to speak to him, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, I want to encourage you to look for him on the shore. Look for him standing there before you, ready to welcome you with open arms again and say, follow me. I've called you. You're worthy of that. Follow me. Return to that love for Jesus and that passion that others would know and love him like you do. Nothing else matters. And if nothing else this morning, if that's not speaking to you, if that's not for anyone here this morning, then if nothing else, let this be a reminder that we may just need to simply reroute. That, that maybe we have been distracted. Maybe we've been feeling a little bit overwhelmed by politics and, and pandemics and whatever else it is. And maybe we just need to refocus, refix our eyes on Jesus and the call to be shepherds, the call to be people who show up for the church, who care for the church, who care for the lost, who, who actually have a heart to see them return to Jesus. Because nothing else matters. And finally, I just want to reassure you, I know that's a big calling. I know that it, it feels overwhelming. I would, I would be willing to bet that no one in this room knows it more than I do. And you'd probably all say the same thing. No one gets it more than me. I get it. It's a big deal. It's a big calling. It feels overwhelming. It feels like we can't do enough or anything sometimes. But just like I had to continue being a mom, even after a mistake, we don't abandon the call to follow Jesus, even if we've strayed or messed up. So friends, we are being called again to follow Jesus and to live with abandon, to live a life that consistently invites others to come and see what we have seen. Let us answer that call again this morning, church. Lord, as we open up our hearts before you this morning. God, I just pray that you would meet us where we are. Lord, I pray that you would see our hearts for where they are this morning and, and speak to each person, reminding them, Lord, of your incredible, unending love for them. Lord, I just pray that even in moments of failure, even moments where we mess up and we get distracted and, and we focus on so many other things that aren't important. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to pursue us, continue to, to, re, to, to pull our hearts to be reoriented towards you once again, to follow you in the way in which you've called us to follow you once again. Lord, we just thank you for the love and the grace that you continue to pour upon us day after day. And Lord, it's just my heart's desire that this room would be full of people who just have an unhinged love for Jesus and an unhinged love for sharing that love with the world that so desperately needs it. Lord, would you fill us with that passion once again? 
Would you fill us with an overwhelming passion and love for neighbor, love for grocery store worker, love for coworker, love for, for classmate, love for the other? Lord, would you just propel us out into this world once again? Help us, Lord, to pour ourselves out, to empty of ourselves, to lay down our life, so to speak, for, for our calling, for the call to follow you. Help us, Lord. We can't do it without you. Give us what we need, Jesus. It's all for your glory to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it is with your power and grace that we pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen and amen.